Hello to everyone tuning into the Highly Optimized Podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague, and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing individuals who are living a life beat to their own drum, sharing their stories, and revealing their valuable information for you listeners on how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path, and how to maximize your results in manifesting your dreams in this reality. Climbing her way onto the show today to join us is a woman who is constantly on the hunt for the newest challenge, the newest metaphorical and literal mountain to climb, and the methods to stay calm, cool, and collected throughout life, and the curveballs it throws at us. She is a graduate of Urbana University, where she studied kinesiology and exercise science, is a hiking juggernaut on her way to climbing every one of Colorado's peaks above 14,000 feet by the end of 2021, and is the owner of Movement by Julia, where she helps clients become free of pain using a combination of kinetics, movement, and fascial manipulations. Please help me in welcoming the one and only Julia Blackwell to the show. <laughs> Ooh, hello. What'd you think? Was it good? Oh, yeah, I'm blushing a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you can say guilty is charged there, too. You know, that saying works everywhere, which is why I'm such a proponent of it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. guilty is charged. I have hiked a lot of mountains. <laughs> yes, I uh, I messaged Eric earlier, full disclosure, and I was like, listen, dude, tell me something about Julia that I'm not going to find on her LinkedIn or on her Instagram, like something would be difficult to find that she would be impressed if I brought up. And he was like, well, dude, let me tell you about her hiking. And I was like say no more fam, you know? So, so, uh, you know, it's amazing. Uh, there's like what 58 of them Eric was saying, you probably have a better idea of how many there are than I, there are, there are a few different lists that people go off of, uh, depending on who you talk to. (laughs) Some people say 54, I'm going off of the slightly longer list of 58 because there's a couple non-official ones I've hiked and was like, you know what? Those were hard. I'm counting them. (laughs) Yeah. Hell yeah. I wonder how those mountains feel about not being included on the list. Like, you know, all mountains created equal, you know, (laughs) all 14ers are included in this program. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, one of the things, uh, usually I'll start off by like asking about your journey, but I'm just excited to jump into this mountain thing because to me that's like just epic as hell. So like what led you to begin, uh, wanting to accomplish that goal of, you know, climbing every 14er in Colorado? Yeah. You know, I played volleyball in college and competitively for a decade. Mm. And I will fully admit that it was my life. I put all of my time and energy and love into this sport. And, uh, you know, it paid off literally. And I loved my time with it. But when I graduated from college and my se- my last season was done, I had a weird moment of being unsure of, of what was the next thing. I love a challenge and I wasn't sure. But I did decide to pack up all of my stuff from Cincinnati and move out to Colorado with a intention of staying for six months. (laughs) (laughs) Best of intentions. uh, Yeah. It's been almost 11 years now, (laughs) (laughs) but my best friend from grade school had moved out there when I want to say her and I were 10 and I thought, Oh, I'm going to travel somewhere for six months. So the furthest away friend I have is my friend Jackie and what fun it would be to see some mountains and hang out in Colorado for six months. And she loves hiking and is all about 14ers. I didn't know what a 14er was, which for any of you listening is 
any peak above 14,000 feet in Colorado. And I had zero intention of jumping on this bandwagon. I was not used to the altitude. And she took me on a local hike where I was wheezing and coughing because the <laughs> altitude kicked my butt yeah. and was like, you know what? This isn't for me, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, she eventually convinced me about a year after I had been there to come on a big hike of a 14er. And I packed all my gear that was all from a secondhand store that I bought at the last minute. Uh, and we hiked up this 14,000 foot peak and it was unlike anything I had experienced at that time. You know, we started at five in the morning when it was still dark. We watched an incredible sunrise come up over the mountains. It was quiet and challenging and standing on top of that mountain. When I got there, something clicked in my brain and was like this, uh, <laughs> So luckily I had had the honor of being friends with uh, not just Jackie, but her dad is an expert level mountaineer. They taught me a lot of skills that were very valuable as we began to climb harder and harder things that required technical moves and fancier gear and uh, a lot of mental stability <laughs> making some moves that were very scary. But once I got going, man, I, I fell in love and it's been one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. I've done some climbs that if I told 15 year old me, I, I would do, there's not a chance I would have believed it. Uh, it's amazing what your body's capable of and I, yeah, the scenery out here in Colorado is epic. That's amazing. Yeah. Every time I've gone to Colorado, I'm taken aback by the scenery and the nature. I have a buddy who moved out there uh, just about two years ago, a year and a half or whatever, and they love it. I mean, they're getting into a lot of the same things. And, uh, you know, I really think there's something primal about climbing a mountain, right? Because you get that expansive look around. And I forget where I had heard this, but it's actually really healthy for you uh, for a multitude of reasons, not just the health benefits physically, but also like being able, like for eye health, being able to look out that far in the distance. We're so usually on our phones or in computer screens, we're looking at close things all the time that being able to like do things like that, where you can look far out is actually really good for your eye health too. And, um, you know, that's why, uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm always so fascinated with people that do things like that, you know, because I imagine there's a lot of fear included in that, right? Like, especially when you're out there and things are getting swirly. Um, and you know, there's, there's such something primal about it, you know, getting out there in nature, conquering nature in some way, living with nature, living by nature. And, uh, it's beautiful, you know, um, you know, where I'm at, I have like, you know, uh, weaker mountains, you know, like New Hampshire, Vermont, uh, those places have some pretty cool mountains. And, uh, I've done some very small hikes and Rachel keeps bugging me to get into some bigger ones. She's like, when are you going to go on a real hike? And I'm like, oh, you know, no. sometime soon. So, you know, maybe when we come out to Colorado soon, you can uh, drag us on a hike somewhere cool, you know, go easy I'll on me. I'll start you on one that, yeah, yeah I'll start <laughs> you on one that's easy. That was such a huge benefit for me mm. that I had someone experience, uh, intentionally take me on something that was a little bit shorter. Uh, there was no technical moves or fear to be felt, uh, simply 
going up the trail for the most part. Mm. And I had such a good experience that that surely led me into continuing on. Uh, <laughs> my, my joke is I took Eric on a hike. That is the reason that he won't hike any more mountains. Well, to, to be, to be fair, uh, this was back when we were both personal trainers and he was training a couple that was really into mountaineering and climbing. And they invited Eric on this hike. And Eric was like, Hey, you're my woman that knows how to do this. So let's do this. Yeah. And I'm like, Ooh, I feel this is not the mountain to start on. This one is really long. Um, it was, I want to say 12 or 13 miles, which is a long day. Yeah. Uh, and he was, was not used to that kind of time, uh, and how strenuous it was going to be. And <laughs> I talked about it, uh, at our wedding reception where I was like, this is how I know we were going to get married because you made it through this hike without breaking up with me. Yeah. It's a telltale sign. Yeah. We we hit every snag that could possibly be hit during a hike. So my, my goal is like, Hey, the worst has happened. Yeah. It, it'll never be that bad. <laughs> it's only downhill <laughs> from okay. here. You know, we're coasting from here. <laughs> I feel like a piece of cake. So, uh, yeah. I've been slowly uh, putting in my time with propaganda and the, <laughs> saying the right things that he, he maybe will hike with me this summer to yeah. finish out these mountains. <laughs> I imagine, uh, and lifted helps a lot with that, you know, and, uh, for those listening and lifted, uh, if you haven't listened to previous episodes is a language training system that we're all pretty experienced in a lot of people I have on this show. And, uh, it definitely helps when you're trying to persuade your significant other into things that <laughs> otherwise might not want to do. <laughs> I may or may not soft talk acknowledged have used that, uh, time or two before. <laughs> I low and slow breathing has been very effective for my climbing game. I noticed that last summer after having experienced uh, some lifted that being able to breathe well, while you are very scared on certain sketchy parts was amazingly helpful. So hooray for lifted. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Low and slow breathing. I mean, sometimes I have so much energy running through me that like just getting into a big group of people, like it's just like, like blows my nervous system up. And, uh, and I just feel the need to talk super fast all the time and I can't stop. And, uh, so having Mark be like, Hey, you know, um, how you're in sixth gear all the time, like going 130 down the highway. Um, what if I were to tell you that there were five other gears that were lower and you could actually enjoy them, you know? And I was like, what are these other five gears you tell me about? Low and slow breathing got me there too. It was amazing. And uh, it's something I use all the time now in my breath work and also for really calming my nervous system down, especially after days of, you know, like working and being in Boston, which is just a hectic city. <laughs> so, yeah. And, you know, I'm curious um, because not everyone goes out and decides to start climbing mountains, right? And doing some really badass shit, right? And so I'm curious, you know, what was the process of you getting to that point where you decided to climb mountains? Like, I imagine your upbringing was a little bit different than some other people if you were going out to find that adrenaline rush, really. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit about your background and have the listeners be able to, you know, take that journey with you and, and live vicariously through you as you bring us through that path. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was listening to your podcast where you were talking with Eric and you were asking him about how he got started into something. And you both made the joke of like, Oh, well, when I was born, ha ha ha. (laughs) That's (laughs) actually my scenario. 
<laughs> Taking it way back. <laughs> did happen, yes. Where uh, I was almost a 10 pound baby. Wow. And I got stuck during the birthing process. Oh. So, in an attempt to yank me out in the panic, you know, to pull me out, the doctor stretched and tore all the nerves in my right neck and shoulder. <sighs> so, that rendered my right arm essentially useless at the beginning until I had a massive nerve regress surgery at only four months old. Wow. Uh, and that surgery did bring my arm back online, mm -hmm. but it still left me with a lot of scar tissue, uh, limited mobility, limited strength, and a really incessant amount of tightness throughout the entirety of this arm. I, I grew up going through the Western medical system, mm -hmm. as so many of us do when we have an injury, constant doctor checkups and occupational therapy appointments. And all of these practitioners and people in the medical field told me I was essentially screwed, that they were doing this for formalities, but my arm was never going to get any better. There was no chance that it was going to heal whatsoever. If anything, it was going to get worse. And one doctor even told me that I should never expect to play a both arm required sport, which is a crazy thing to tell a seven-year-old. Really, all of the stories growing up at such a young age of having people tell you that you're limited and you're unable to do things. I realize now, after I've gotten into the world of Enlifted and also training camp for the soul, how much those stories affected me, thinking that I was fragile and that I, how could I possibly be able to do all these things that I wanted? Now, eventually I did get tired of that because while I did believe at the time that I wasn't going to heal because that's what I'd been told my whole life, I was very frustrated by it because all I wanted as a tiny child was to be like all the other kids. <laughs> I wanted to do what they were doing and I wanted to play sports and I was always being told no or you can't or Julia, you can try, but it's going to be really hard for you because of your arm. And eventually I won the battle with my parents to let them let me play volleyball. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it took some convincing. My sister played first, actually. She played on a team and I was obsessed immediately. I went to every game. I was likely heckling people from the side, really into it. And I also was very intently watching all the best players on her team and convinced myself that I could do that. And I'll never forget. It was the last game of her season, my sister's season. Everybody cleared the court, uh, but the game ball had been discarded along the sideline. And while everyone else was mingling, I run over and grab the game ball and go all the way to the back line, which I was 10 at the time. And the serving line is actually marked a few feet into the court to help those people that can barely underhand serve over mm -hmm. Went all the way to the back line and tossed the ball up with my right arm and slammed a perfect overhand serve over the net with my left <laughs> first try. And my dad turned and looked at me and was like, what? <laughs> after, after seeing my sister struggle to get her serves over all year with like, hold on, what just happened? So, like I've watched this so, enough. I know what to do. 
that was my my sneaky tryout to convince them to let me play and it worked uh and it was great you know i got so excited that i could play a sport i worked my ass off i practiced all the time i would figure out modifications for skills that i couldn't quite execute with my arm and eventually i started outplaying my perfectly healthy teammates and made some varsity teams. I won a few awards. I set a serving record in high school and ultimately earned a full ride scholarship to play in college. Wow. So <laughs> suck it, doctors. Yeah, right. Suck it, Western Mid. <laughs> yeah. so that, that feeling of being able to accomplish this thing that people had been telling me my whole life was impossible feel, felt really good. You know, it felt something close to freedom. Mm. And I was still searching for the physical side of that, which uh, I found largely through fascia release when I moved out to Denver. And that also helped me kind of process a lot of trauma that was stored in my arm, in my tissue, and really allowed me to accept my arm could heal and also be okay with the journey of getting to where I am now and will continue to go over the years. And Hmm. suddenly I had the confidence to try some crazy mountain hiking. That was another thing I realized, Hey, I'm, I'm climbing mountains as good as all of these other people. I'm still able to pull myself up and have good handhold grips. And it, made me feel really strong and free. I use that a lot. I use that a lot in my business is that that feeling of freedom in your body can be so rare when you've had an injury or when someone's told you that that freedom isn't possible for you. So I I love that feeling of of doing something really challenging that the average person is like, I've never done that. And they, they don't have any limitations, you know? So yeah. uh, that's, that's probably the reason it is the reason. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. What a beautiful journey. And, uh, you know, really thank you for sharing that because I heard so many things in there, um, that I wanted to comment on. The first one being like, simply where attention goes, energy flows. Right. And so like, of course, like at such a impactful age, like being as young as seven and having these doctors tell you things, I mean, that's really at the end of like your developmental stages where things get put in as programs, like deep, deep programs. And so being able to traverse that, that story of your body being fragile and people that you saw as authority figures and adults at that time telling you that you can't, couldn't, shouldn't, wouldn't, you know, all the negation words do what you want to do and move your body the way you want to move it, it had to be extremely disempowering. And so to be able to come back from that and not just survive, but thrive in the face of all that adversity, um, kudos to you. You know, I know, um, uh, how much, you know, power and uh, energy that takes to do. And, you know, of course, also on the other side of that, like you were saying so much freedom is found, right. And, and I love that you use the term freedom because to me, freedom is all there ever is, right. It's either you're free or you're not right. Like, and you can apply it to anything, uh, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual relationships, either like, you know, you feel free in a situation or you do not. Right. And 
And a lot of times, if you don't, it's actually not the situation. It's what it's really the mind, right? It's really, it's really yourself. That's it's keeping you trapped there with stories, et cetera. And like the way that I always explain to my clients and other people is like, the brain is like a computer, right? So you can get hardware or malware, right? So like your hardware and software, they can get malware, right? So um, like that program did not have a chance to get into you the way that it would have uh, for most other people. And that's really amazing. And, uh, you know, I had my own fragile body story for a while, all spawning from really like when I first started exercising, I knew something was just off in my hips. I just knew they were like, just fucked. Like I I'd do like left hand kicks and I'd be like, okay, cool. And right hand kicks were just not happening. So over time, um, I started, and of course I started working out with P90X, probably not the best move. I didn't know how to foam roll. I was doing double days. Like I got tendonitis everywhere real quick. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, so over time, uh, I started like, uh, doing a lot of, uh, things that we'll get into like myofascial release massages and things like that. But really I was not paying attention to my body. I was, uh, my form was off. And so I was getting all this neck tension and all these things. And over time I developed this story or it started to get its webs into me that I was just fragile. So whenever anyone would throw me a ball, I would be like, Oh, I got to make sure I catch it with perfect overhead form, or I'm going to rip my neck. Like all these ridiculous things would come in. And, um, you know, it, it really wasn't until I heard Gary Crozier's story, uh, the guy who, uh, invented PT enhance. Um, he's one of Paul checks, um, either student, I think he's students. Yeah. And, uh, his whole story is very similar where he had had just a ridiculous, I mean, he had like some severe challenges. Like he had to get facial reconstructive surgery just like because of how he was born. Like he had some serious stuff going on. His one leg was an inch longer than the other one, just some crazy stuff. He found that his whole life he had chronic pain and he was really curious, like if it would ever go away, he had, you know, deep, dark depression about it. And then he caught his conscious mind one day or subconscious mind, whatever way you want to look at it. One day when he woke up, he noticed that the first thing he did when he opened his eyes was he went, is the pain there? Right. So he was asking like for the pain to show up basically. And so of course, boom, he manifested the pain. So he started interrupting that pattern by waking up every day and saying, okay, what feels good in my body? You know, and then he would journal on that. Oh, my toes feel amazing today. My, my left foot feels incredibly perfect. Right. And over time he started bringing his energy and attention out of those areas of quote unquote pain. And it began to help heal his story, you know, and then all his modalities he did were able to stick better. And so that was really cool. And one of the things I know you specialize in is fascia. And this is something that fascinates me, uh, fascinates me. you know, if I do a silly pun, um, because, uh, with the way I've heard it put, so I got myofascial release massages, uh, pretty much every week for two years. I'm fascinated by it. Um, and one of the things that my, uh, myofascial therapist would always tell me is like, you know, the fascia is really the second brain. And he would sometimes even say, honestly, it's probably the first brain, you know, because it will store things and stuff. And I'd love to, um, if you could go into like what fascia is for those that are listening that don't know, and, uh, some of the coolest things you've learned about it in your journey. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had no idea what fascia was until I experienced kinetics work back in 2011 when I first moved to Boulder. And the best way that I know how to explain what fascia is, is like layers and layers of plastic wrap in your body. Fascia wraps around every single muscle fibril, muscle fiber. So you've got multiple fibrils that make up one fiber wrapping around that. It wraps around your muscles. It wraps around your bones, your nerves, your blood vessels, your organs. Every single thing in your body is wrapped in this. A lot of times people 
envision fascia as uh, like a sausage casing that goes around everything, but it's a three-dimensional matrix Mm -hmm. that's these wrapping on wrapping on wrappings. And this system is what is organizing every single thing in your body. Uh, One of my favorite analogies is if everything were to magically disappear out of your body, except for your fascial system, you would look pretty much still like you. Mm. That's how imperative it is for your shape, your structure, and your texture. Well, on the flip side, if only your fascia were to disappear out of your body, you would go tumbling to the floor in a pile of bones and goo. If you you think even, I want to say 65 to 70% of our body is water, 90% of that water is encased in the fascial system. That's why uh, water isn't simply puddling out of our feet, right? It's holding all of your shape and structure together. And a lot of times people can get hung up on even the term myofascial, right? Which is simply talking about fascia around the muscles, but it doesn't simply go around the muscles or even react as a individual function. It's part of this greater system that's all interconnected. It's one uninterrupted chain, especially if you haven't had any surgery before it's entirely connected from head to toe. It's wild. (laughs) That's so cool. And you know, my uh, therapist always uh, said it was like a spider web too, you know, and seeing like some pictures of it. um, It's amazing. And, you know, uh, one of the things that I know uh, has been lumped into like myofascial release, which I imagine is a pretty broad term, even as I understand it. And I imagine you're always like myofascial release, you know, <laughs> like it's probably so many different things. But um, one thing I'm curious on, because I know a lot of people, including myself, are foam rollers. Uh, we love lacrosse balls, et cetera. Could you explain like what happens when we use those things on our fascia and maybe some ways that we might be doing it wrong or could do it better? Um, I know like some people like roll left, right, roll up and down, spend time on it, go between different spots. So I was curious if you had any insights on that. There's actually some really fascinating research out right now, which is, can you even quote unquote release fascia? Mm. You know, what are you actually doing? So as far as I know uh, up to date right now is, If you go back to thinking about the plastic wrap analogy, it is possible for those layers to start to shrink and stick together a little bit. And what largely is happening there is either pushing out water in your body or even making it stagnant like a like a pond in the middle of nowhere that's uh, sitting. Mm -hmm. So when you're hopping on a roller, what you're largely doing is. Uh, turning that pond into a river where we're getting a bunch of fluid to start getting to places it hasn't been. It's giving that tissue an opportunity to filter out some old things, some, some cellular waste that needs to get out and rehydrating and re-nourishing the cells that are there, which is largely why you feel so light and springy after a really good foam rolling session, right? Yeah. But there's also a insane amount of proprioceptors in your fascia, which uh, we're all familiar, or maybe most people are familiar that they're the things that are telling your body where it is in space. Like if you close your eyes and you start wobbling like crazy, those are your proprioceptors frantically, you know, looking to figure out where you are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how Here's to balance. Yeah, we got this. Yeah. 
They're very positive, these brokerages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're always vying for your best interests, you know? Right. But they're, they're collecting data constantly from both your external and your internal environment. So it's more than simply balance or coordination, let's say. They are downloading anything and everything all of the time. So with foam rolling, you're also bringing a lot of awareness to the area via these proprioceptors. And if you're able to keep your foam rolling at, let's say like a six out of 10 on the intensity scale, you're creating a little bit more safety in your body as you're releasing these things. And the proprioceptors can relay throughout the fascial system that it's okay to let go Mm. wherever it is stuck in a contracted position because fascia does have its own contractile cells. So it can absolutely contract, but it can signal to the fascia that it's safe, that it can let go and you can get a lot of range of motion back and even get rid of pain. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to me, actually something you posted recently, I had been having this like shoulder pain for a little while and uh, like a knicker ding, you know, it wasn't anything that was like chronic, but it was lasting for a couple of weeks. And, uh, and I used to foam roll like a madman. Like it just, it became an obsession. I was like, I have to go to rehab for foam rolling. I think And uh, <laughs> Rachel used to be like, you foam roll for an hour and a half. I'm like, I love it. You know? And then uh, traveling so much, you know, it became a lacrosse ball. And then it was like, all right, well, I'll just hop on it when I can. But, uh, you know, one thing I'm interested in is the intensity levels you just brought up, right? So, um, I know for a long time I was using like things like the rumble roller and because I, I understood like, you know, more pain, more gain essentially. Right. And, uh, and I imagine that that's not the best way to get the best results. Would that be correct? True. Yeah. So I will say that when your fascia gets stuck in a contracted position, or it looks like a little crumpled up ball of plastic wrap somewhere. Mm-hmm. And there's that restriction there. It is uncomfortable to get into that spot yeah. because fascia is supposed to be able to compress and bounce back to its original shape. Mm. But if there's no water in there, it's dehydrated, it's stuck, it's contracted. It's going to be uncomfortable to compress something that has little ability to do that. So you are going to feel something, mm. yeah. <laughs> especially if it's, <laughs> if it's stuck. Yeah. But um, there is a magical area where I believe is around the six out of 10 on the intensity scale where you can feel a lot of sensation, but you're still able to move through the motion that you want. You're still able to breathe low and slow. And therefore, you're signaling to your body that it's okay to change. Mm-hmm. So the intensity, uh, when it gets too high, ends up being like a panic signal mm-hmm. in your body. And obviously your body's very unwilling to change when <laughs> it's in an upregulated panic state. It feels like an attack, right? Yeah. Proprioceptors again are being like, oh my gosh, uh, sound the alert. Yeah. This is really intense and push back, push back. Like I, I've even heard that with some deep tissue massages as well as someone just beat them up and they thought it was helpful for them at the time, but they ended up being really sore. The pain came back within a couple of days. And it's because you did beat it into submission (laughs) for for a time, but the natural reaction of your body after experiencing something that intense is to actually push back and go back to where it was before, because Mm. that felt like a safer position. So we want to make sure that your body feels safe. If you're wanting to change it and interrupt 
any neurological loops or patterns it's in. That makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here too. Um, it's been a little while, but my massage therapist I used to have would explain to me that with deep tissue and things, it's, it's basically like essentially what you just said. It might like feel better when it's happening, but it's just going to go back to where it was. He never really explained like why I never really asked, but that makes a lot of sense because it was in a pretty much a survival mode. And so it, you forced it to do that, but it's going to go back there. Whereas with myofascial, he always explained, um, he did the John Barnes method of a myofascial. I'm not sure what the differences are, but just for context, but he would, uh, talk about how like with myofascial, it was longer, lighter holds, right? So like where you're not going to go to a 10 out of 10 you might go to like a 6 out of 10 and hold it for an extra couple minutes you know five minutes was always like his perfect range and i mean i gotta tell you when i got off that table i had i mean i've been obsessed with massage for years um i think massage it massage is a necessity disguised as a luxury as mark england says and um so i've done a lot of different uh modalities of massage and there was something very special with myofascial where it not only like literally changed my body. Um, I mean, my massage therapist said the first time I came in, it looked like someone had taken two different bodies and like stapled them together, you know, like, like, just like my pecs didn't line up. There was a lot of things going on. And after a couple of years of going to him, uh, and also still doing ridiculously intense workout routines and not listening to my body. So I was combating a lot of what I was doing. Um, it really helped. And so I'm a huge proponent of that. And I'm glad you brought up water too, because he used to say, basically, like, if you're not drinking water, it's essentially like you're a dry sponge. And then like, try bending a dry sponge. It snaps, right? As opposed to a wet sponge that can bend and go all different places. Is that like, um, something that you go over with your clients? I imagine in depth, like, Hey, drink more water. You're going to get more out of your fascia in, in general, if you do that. So here's the catch with that. If you envision that these areas of fascia have become contracted and pushed out water, Mm. if you can drink water all day long, but that water is not getting to the area that's restricted, that's already Mm. pushed out the water. So you have, you have got to release those areas of fascia first, which your body's incredibly efficient at bringing the water back once you have the space, but then it's more appropriate to be drinking water because you're able to get the water to more places. But truth be told, I do think drinking water is of course essential, but uh, fascia release and movement and moving in a non-repetitive, more full body dynamic way, that type of, those types of activities are going to hydrate your tissue much more than drinking water is going to. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So you know, in my own experience, um, my body always feels thrashed, even if I'm drinking water, if I don't move, like if I'm sitting down a lot, I imagine all the listeners know what that feeling's like. And, uh, you know, if you go bust out some animal flow or some yoga, I mean, you feel amazing after, and, uh, that makes a lot of sense as to why. And, you know, I'm curious too, um, with your journey, journey in fascia, What's, uh, what are some of the things you've seen that have uh, either blown your mind or given you light bulb moments? Like I imagine knowing language training with fascial like release. Um, I don't know if you've experimented yet with like having people say affirmations and seeing if things release, but I, I imagine that's something that, um, as science slash, uh, just the stuff we're getting into goes deeper. Uh, there might be some, you know, cross parallels there. What do you think about that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, 
the biggest thing that blew my mind uh, at the very beginning when I myself experienced this before I became a practitioner was this combination of a really powerful compression and then moving. So mm-hmm. I'm a huge proponent of active release. So while you're, you're on a foam roller or while you're getting any kind of fascia work, we are making such huge changes to your nervous system by you being a participant in your own healing process and you choosing to make these movements while these things are happening. And that was the first thing that really blew my mind is I had, I had been to every kind of practitioner or anything in the Western medicine world that you can think of and nothing helped Hmm. until this. And I really do think it was that combination of addressing trauma in the fascial system it was moving through these specific areas in an active way in the fascial system. So that was a huge, like, what the, what, where's this been my whole life? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I want to say I was 23 at the time. So I went to occupational therapy until I was 16 years old. And it, again, it felt like a formality where yeah. I had to go, they would stretch it tell me that I still was fucked. And then so glad I came here to reinforce yeah. that I'm limited. Thank yeah. you so much for your time. <laughs> so, uh, it was like, Whoa, what is this? Like, I've never even seen someone, um, step on people. Like this is such a wild experience to be stepped on, which is what uh, a big part of kinetics is right. We're compressing fascia through stepping on it yeah. and then you move. So uh, that at the time was, was huge. And I, I was just talking to Eric about this the other day that that was such a long time ago now. And that completely changed my life and shifted my career path and it brought me to where I am today that I forget that it was very intense when we started, there was a lot of stuff to work through. There was a lot of emotions involved. There was a lot of sensation in general involved. And I, I now experience almost a euphoric calming Mm. sensation when I get work done and have forgotten for people that are experiencing this for the first time, it can be intense. And then we're getting past that six out of 10. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in lift, it has been really helpful for breathing. I've been actively introducing people to breathing from the very beginning of when they walk into my office so that they're able to stay down regulated and I've been a little bit nicer, you know, I, I've been a little bit less intense with how I go in because you get tainted by your own experience of like, oh, this feels so good to me. It's got to feel really helpful to everybody else. But uh, that's been a really good way to bring it back and to making sure people are primed for safety, that they're downregulated, that they're they're feeling safe to potentially have an emotional release, right? Yeah. Like there's a really delicate balance where uh, when you're getting into the body, especially if you're feeling pain, it's very vulnerable. People cry in my office all the time and yeah. it has nothing to do with the pain of being worked on. It's just when you feel safer, you're able to tap into those things a little bit more deeply. And that's been a really cool experience to see people let go of things emotionally through physical work. Cause we hear a lot about the opposite, right? It's like emotional healing can help physical pain. And mm-hmm. I still totally believe that and have seen that happen, but it's also cool to see the reverse is like, can you use a physical sensation to remind your body how to feel 
pain or like feel that intensity and use that to let your emotions come out. So that's been, that's been fun to see. And certainly something that's, that's blown my mind a couple of times. I'm like, wow, that was so cool. That's really cool. And you know, what you said there, the last part, right? Like how physical can help emotional, right? We hear about emotional helping spirit, um, uh, physical. That's something that for me has really hit home because, you know, for whatever reason, uh, my body is still up in the air with some emotions, right? Like uh, AKA like undesirable quote unquote emotions. And so what I've found is that through, uh, physical touch, I've been able to experience a lot of my emotional turmoil come out. And that's something that I feel everyone listening to this would benefit from because we all have traumas, right? No matter how amazing we think our life is, there's always things that have traumatized us. And uh, I actually used to hear that a lot from my massage therapist. Uh, he would go to this class called unwinding and it was all based on, you know, unwinding the nervous system, unwinding your emotions. And, uh, he would have people in there screaming, crying, very similar to like a hot seat from training camp, you know, and, uh, it's just very fascinating. And you mentioned how a lot of that changed your career path and something I'm always so interested to talk about with other entrepreneurs is why they decided to go on this path because entrepreneurship is a special kind of crazy, right? Like, I mean, you know, walking the path, not traveled, right? I mean, of course people are traveling in entrepreneurship, but when you do it, you're starting it alone, you're paving your own path. Right. And so it's definitely not the easy path. And, and yet I know for myself, I always knew in the back of my head that I wanted to work for myself. Right. And so I'm curious, did you always have that notion in you that you were going to work for yourself or did it kind of evolve over time as you got more more into your, your passions? It certainly got like it evolved over time. Mm. So for a really long time, I was so familiar with the medical system. I had always envisioned I was going to go into something therapeutic. Mm. I could understand medical terms and use them regularly. By the time I was six or seven, mm. I like my arm is struggling with pronation and internal rotation. Like I knew all those terms. And so it made a lot of sense, but I, what started as, oh, maybe I'll become a physical therapist because I can empathize with these people that are struggling with limitations and range of motion issues. I will be the best person to have that empathy for them. And then realized after experiencing kinetics and understanding more about fascia release, it was like, oh, I can, I can actually solve this for people instead of simply, uh, continuing that continuing to validate their story that they're limited, which is what I experienced. So of course that was what I was most familiar with. That's what made sense for me to start with. I was like, wait a minute, how fucked is our medical system that we're, we're telling people that, Hey, you're never going to do this again. And here's your pain management plan. I really hate the word pain management because there's so many opportunities with through discovery of ways to find the root source of what's happening and find a real solution. Like I always am going for pain elimination and my eye starts to twitch a little bit at the idea of management. Like why would you want to manage feeling the same? Yeah. So once I started to realize that was where 
I wanted to go after experiencing fashion release. I was like, nope, nobody's doing this. And I have to show other people if, if this work can make a dent in my limitation, right. I still have work to go in my healing journey, but this was the first thing that had made a dent. And I was like, if it can help me who was supposed to have an irrevocable injury, then, oh my gosh, I can't wait to see what this can do for other people. And when I first learned, I was, I was working as a personal trainer at the time, uh, largely doing corrective exercise style things with people. I started stepping on them as soon as I began learning and realizing I was getting so much more results and so much more, like feeling more satisfied to, of helping these people through the fascia release work. And my, my boss, my last boss that I ever had uh, told me that this thing wasn't going to work out for me and I should stick to training. And I was like, you know what? I quit. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I started there and it, it really fits well with my personality now as someone who you were saying earlier, like freedom is one of the top values of your life. And you want to experience that freedom as much as possible yourself. You want to help clients experience that freedom as well entrepreneurship feels like a natural transition. So it is a special kind of crazy, but it's been <laughs> amazing and I would not trade it for anything. That's awesome. And I loved your little uh, side story there about your last boss. Uh, Rachel had something similar to like that happen. Um, you know, we worked at a place, I won't say any names, but for those listening, you'll know, um, we worked at a place where like one of the, uh, prizes you got for employee of the month was you got to go on a lunch date with the, with the owner of the company. Really weird considering the owner of the company was not into, uh, what the company was all about, which is what we were about. Uh, so anyway, uh, Rachel goes to lunch with this guy and he's like, so what do you see your future as? And she's like, oh, you know, I'm starting to coach. Uh, I'm really excited to get people into, uh, you know, eating healthier, eating intuitively, et cetera. This is like over a year ago. And, uh, and he goes, can I, can I talk to you for a second? Like a dad, you know? And first of all, I'm like, that's just weird. Second of all, he goes, uh, he goes, you know, don't you think you should figure out your stuff with your sleep first before you start coaching people on it? And you know, it's so funny because in that moment we have two options, right? We're either going to let that break us or we're going to let it make us. And from what you said, it, uh, you allowed it to make you and Rachel allowed it to make her. And I had uh, similar instances with some people at that same establishment where like, I thank them so much because it really put a fire under my ass. And uh, I think those times um, are so special, you know, especially now we know with lifted and everything. Uh, those people, uh, <laughs> I look at it like this in our soul families, that person got a really shitty job. You know, they had to be the one to like say things like that. And uh, I always think that's pretty funny. You know, I always like hearing like what like the, the point was where someone was like, yeah, fuck that. I'm doing my own thing anyway. And one of the things that the last year has taught me is just how valuable it is to get out of our comfort zones. I mean, literally the last year has been nonstop riding my edges and just seeing where I'm going to fray, basically. And, you know, traveling, having new experiences, and knowing that you and Eric have been doing a lot of the same thing, I'd love to hear what it has opened up for you individually and what it has done for you and Eric as a couple. Because I imagine that many people listening are uh, in a relationship and maybe they're uh, entrepreneurs and they're wondering how to evolve together. And so you guys are doing Doing that, And so I'd love to hear a little bit about how getting outside of your comfort zones and being able to have one another there to support you has helped you in your journey. Oh, that's an, that's an interesting question. Mm. Well, very luckily, 
Eric and I are amazing partners in life and friends. So when COVID first hit and we were in the same house uh, for a few months, we had a blast because (laughs) both of us are hard workers. We both really love our jobs, Um, especially me as an entrepreneur. uh, I was going all day for crazy hours and we were often passing ships and being forced to, to slow down and be in the same place for a few months was really amazing for us. We had a lot of long talks and talked about so many things that we hadn't really in a few years. And it felt like getting to know each other all over again. Mm. Uh, We did, you know, set some good expectations for uh, time and how we were going to uh, manage our own spaces for working and things like that. But it's opened up a lot of opportunity for us to go on daily walks together Mm. and on more trips together. And that sharing of more experiences and having more time to learn how to effectively communicate with each other was incredible. I think this time has strengthened our relationship quite a bit. Mm. And it really inspired me as someone who was working full-time in the office. And I absolutely love kinetics and working on people, but there is a limit energetically to how much I can show up and feel good about really showing up for people that are coming to me in pain. Right. So I was hitting a lot of burnouts where I needed to scale back on my hours or I was really tired when I'd come home from work. Uh, especially before I knew how to uh, put up an energetic wall uh, when I was working on people. And COVID really brought me to brainstorming how to take this work and scale it and be able to give this opportunity to more people and help more people out of pain. And that led to an online membership where I'm taking the principles of kinetics, which is what I do in my office, and apply them to foam rolling because we're still doing fascia release. We're still talking about pain patterns and using very similar movements that I'm doing with people in my office. And I was very hesitant at first because my ego was going wild. I was like, if I can't control the situation, how will I guarantee people results? I have to be the person uh, making sure that these results happen, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Sounds like the ego. Right. And then realized, uh, you know, I, I picked up a couple of clients and a few friends that I used as guinea pigs of like, hey, if if we did this online and all all I was doing was showing you how to foam roll in the right places for you to do on your own, wh- let's let me see what kind of results we can get. And I was getting the same results with people. And that was so exciting because what I realized about myself was. I, you know, negation acknowledge, I didn't want people to need me. Mm. I wanted to help empower people in a way that I didn't feel that I had the opportunity when I was younger. It's like, I want someone to be like, Hey, you're going to be fine. Here's some things that I'm seeing. Here's some recommendations for you. Here's how you can do this on your own. And seeing that people were getting out of pain and getting results I got so excited to to do that. And it gave me the opportunity to spend more time at home with Eric and continuing to further our relationship. So 
this this online version of what I do now is is more scalable. It allows me to really show up for the people that I'm I'm working with online, but it it also gave me a much needed opportunity to spend more time on my relationship. I was I was choosing the business over the relationship for what I now recognize as like years. So it's been really great to, um, you know, realize what your priorities are. There are certainly ways when you take a step back and calm, calm down a little bit from the stress of the go, go, go mode of being an entrepreneur that you're like, Oh, my relationship is the most important thing in my life. Why have I put it third mm-hmm. or second yeah. this whole time? So um, I, I don't know if that answers your question. No, that now was, I got tangent, but that was perfect. You crushed <laughs> that. And, uh, you know, what I really liked out of that was, um, you know, a couple things. Uh, number one was the whole idea of working smarter, not harder. Right. And this is something that like my two things since I was probably 10 was freedom. Uh, and when I was 14 and learned that saying smarter, not harder, I was like, yeah, cause I've always been a loophole guy. Right. And it's not to get out of things easier, but it's, it's more so like where those, those instances in life where you're like, this just doesn't make sense that we're doing it this way. Like homework, for instance, right? Like I would get homework in school and they'd give it to me fourth period. And I'd be like, I'm just going to do this while they're teaching me nonsense. And then when I get home, I can do whatever I want to do, you know? And so there's just always been these things. And I feel like there's certain people that, especially right now with what happened in 2020, they allowed it to once again, make them. And now like it really happened with me too, where originally I was getting into coaching plant medicines and I was doing it either out of the establishment I was working at or a couple other brick and mortar establishments that were interested in having me do that. And the challenge with that is I have to drive there. Uh, I then like am actually there. So I'm, I'm trading time for money still. Right. And really what is the most valuable resource in life? It's not money. It's time, right? Like if you ask any billionaire who's on his deathbed, like what he wants most, it's more time, but he can't buy it. You know, not yet anyway, at least, you know, we don't know about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. if, if, if there is, who knows, you know, but, but I really like that because what you were able to do with the people you work with is empower them, right? Give them more time back, right? Because really you're teaching them, Hey, you can do these things on your own. You can do them in probably a much shorter amount of time than you were led to believe up until this point. And one of the things that Angelo Cisco said to me that like resonated so highly with me is he's like, listen, I have two best days, the time that people hire me and the time they fire me. Because like, if my job is done properly, like there comes a certain point where they're like, Hey, I'm good. Like, all right, awesome. Like I love when my clients get to that point. And that's one of my favorite points too. And it's a great way to look at that because my ego for sure, you know, uh, when I first got into coaching was like, everyone should just resign all the time, you know? And then it was like, <laughs> it was kind of ridiculous. Cause I'm like, I don't do that, you know? And so, yeah, that was able to illuminate a lot for me, you know, and really like what the collective mission that I, I feel we're both on is, is empowering people to be able to, uh, go out there and affect their own lives, right? Like our meat suit, right? Is our vehicle to experience our lives in. And so the same way that if you want to do a lot of cross country trips in your car, you're probably not going to wait 3000 extra miles to change the oil, ride on bald tires, or like wait until your brakes are squealing to fix them. You know, you're going to take care of those things so that it can facilitate the experiences and the type of life you want. And so the body is the same way. And I feel as though that's one of the biggest, just interesting things, I guess you could call it that. Like for me is how many people are stuck in that mode of like, you know, oh, well, you know, a doctor told me this, this, and this, so that's all I can do, you know, and they're completely disempowered. 
And, uh, and I feel a lot of compassion because I remember a point in my life when I was like that, but you know, it's, it's just, I always, I always had this feeling like that's not the end of it. You know, like I was like, fuck that. You know, I knew that at the time I didn't know how to get out of that, but it's amazing that you're actually teaching people how to get out of those things because we all are living with certain things, especially emotional trauma, which is, you know, manifesting as physical uh, symptoms. So it's amazing what you're doing, you know, and I applaud you for that. It's, it's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, we're we're certainly uh conditioned to disconnect from our bodies. Mm. And that could be both physical and emotional. I can't tell you how many people I've seen that uh heard something from their doctor and will work on something and the cool thing about fascia release is you often feel an immediate difference or some kind of a change. Mm. And I ask a million questions during sessions where I'll be like how how do you feel now? Mm-hmm. And people will simply repeat, well, my doctor told me I have herniated <laughs> disc and I have back pain. I'm like, no, no, no. What are you feeling in your body in this moment? And they have a really hard time with it. That, that disconnection of someone else has to figure it out. So we're, we're outsourcing our trust in our own body to someone else. When pain is such a unique experience to the individual, like think about how subjective pain is. And then to give that, that someone else is really unable to fully understand Mm -hmm. and then have them set your limitations for you is insane. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So being able to, to get people reconnected back that like, Hey, pain is okay. I was just talking to Grant Mm -hmm. Thomas the other day, who's a a magical human. Oh my God. And he's saying that pain is a superpower. Mm -hmm. We're able to, distinguish what we're feeling in so many ways and it's unique to us we can use it or we can decide what to do with it and yeah the the train disconnection from physical or even emotional uh so many people are you know we're being tough like a badge of honor uh, and showing no emotion and, and i get that like i've dealt with my own stories around that where when i first started playing volleyball and people were like wow uh, you're, you're playing and you're, you're so tough that you're, you're pushing through this limitation. I took that compliment and ran with it for a long time where I was like, Oh, if I ignore that, my arm feels really tight. I ignore that. Uh, I'm avoiding stretching it because ah, there's nothing I can do. I'll just be real tough and get complimented for it. Like that's, that's a thing. So many of us experience. that's another form of disconnection. And so we're all hurting in one way or another. Yeah. And we've, we've got to find those people that can help us tap back in to those sensations because there's like we were saying earlier, it seems to be the theme is like that's where your freedom lies. Absolutely. And the teacher that is there is the pain teacher, right? Like that's how I love how Paul check talks about that because in Western society, we are taught like, Oh, pain, you just have an Advil deficiency or your lack of energy. You have an Adderall deficiency or, you know, uh, uh, you have some pain or you have a Percocet deficiency, you know? And so it's this really like, uh, you know, numb, numb the signals your body is giving you because, uh, to actually own that and, and take charge of it, you know, yes, it will sting for a second like if you're 
you know, for instance, in my, in my case, right. It was like, Hey, uh, I didn't want to stop working out because I had all these unconscious beliefs about like, if I don't look a certain way, if I don't act a certain way, if I don't do this, then I'm not strong. I'm not a man, et cetera. Right. So I would, uh, uh, work out through pain instead of actually listening to like, what's the pain saying? The pain's not saying I can never work out again. It's saying, Hey, what you're doing is not working. Take some, take some note of it. And so what was I doing? Very similar to Western medicine. I was like massage, acupuncture, chiropractor, just constantly. And I remember all of them being like, Hey man, what are you doing in between coming to us? Cause we like every week it's the same story. Like, and I'm like nothing, you know, just like yoga and stuff, you know, because I was so entrenched in that story. Right. And, uh, yeah. So I really love that you touched on that. Cause I feel that is a real epidemic, you know, of people that are unconsciously getting stuck in these stories and therefore not listening to what the pain teacher is bringing to them, you know, and very similar to how, like, even with emotions, right? Like, we can think of like emotional pain, right? That is there to allow us to feel present in the moment, right? And what do we do? What do I do? I try to run from it in so many instances, right? And uh, I remember during my last big psilocybin journey, I realized like, wow, like pain is actually pleasure, you know? And I imagine that's what Grant was talking about too. Um, and uh, man, it's, it's, it's such an interesting part of <laughs> my journey to get to now where I can see all this and be able to corroborate it with people like yourself that are doing this professionally, understand a lot more about it than I do. It's uh it's an amazing time to be alive and it's very empowering. And I love it. <laughs> That's so fun. Yeah. Fun to figure, to figure out and understand your own body. You know, I, yeah. Eric and I were talking about language the other day as we were prone to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were talking about medical language, how I can surely put on my science hat, which I need a real one, by the way, just a ridiculous hat. That's <laughs> we'll make that hat. happen. We'll make it happen. Yeah. If, you know, if I put on my science hat, I can explain scientifically all the things that are happening, but people that are overusing that language of these medical terms it is potentially causing people to feel that it's, it's not possible for them to understand their own body. Like how, Oh my gosh, I have no idea what a infraspinatus is. How could I, possibly understand what's going on with my shoulder. So mental masturbation. Yeah. yeah, Give people some opportunity to simplify the body. Like I I really do think it knows what's wrong and is always wanting to communicate that thing to you. And it's easier than you think to figure out what's going on. And I, I, of course, like there's a time and place for Western medicine. Like my God, if you have an accident or something, please go to the doctor. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) But, But there's, uh, if you fell and your shoulder yeah. hurts, please go to yeah. doctor. But, uh, in the epidemic of chronic pain where, you know, something's achy, stiff, heavy, uh, or just, you know, hurting all the time, there are certainly ways to understand what's happening quickly and address it yourself. So yeah. I hope that I can, it can help more, more people with that. Cause it's been incredibly empowering for me we're, we're going to feel pain in our life. Uh, you know, just because you got rid of your pain, your knee pain mm-hmm. doesn't mean that in a couple of years from now you may experience shoulder pain or neck pain. <laughs> yep. but, it, but if you understand the way that pain patterns work or your fascia works or how your stress is affecting your fascia or your body in general, then these things are no longer scary. You can look at pain with curiosity instead of panic. Yeah, And that's such a beautiful place to be where, you can look inward and be like, Hey body, what's up? Uh, feeling this thing. What's going on here. Mm -hmm. It's it's a really great 
really great opportunity for people. And I'm excited to teach more, more yeah. about it. You know, the analogy that came to my mind, because as you know, uh, analogies are one of my love languages and I always use them, was like, if you wake up in the morning and your house smells funky, right? Do you just go, oh, fuck, my house sucks. I can never have anyone over here again. Like my whole, like, I'm going to just like use an air freshener to like, you know, uh, cover up the smell, but there's like rotting trash right there. Like, you know, that's kind of very similar to what people are doing with pain, you know, because they're just, they're, they're looking at it and they're getting so upset instead of just saying, oh, I just have to take the trash out. You know, and if they take the trash out, all of a sudden, then the problem is fixed. Right. And uh, and I love what you said there, because, um, you know, uh, I've been known to definitely rash on Western medicine. And also like, yeah, if you get in a traumatic accident, please use Western medicine like it'll keep you yeah. alive. Right. It's just yeah. that, you know, that is hopefully only like zero or one percent of our life you know fingers crossed for everyone listening with traumatic accidents but the other 99 to 100 percent of our life is like how do we go through our day-to-day right what are the signals we're having uh, how are we interacting with them and what are the stories we're creating around them and so yeah like empowering people to be able to use their pain as actually an exciting thing like oh this is an opportunity to get better and the sooner that i focus on this and the sooner that i i go low and slow into this the sooner i can get back to you know whatever it is and then maybe i can help someone else that has the same issue. That's how I choose to look at my pain now, like with like, you know, when I have uh, like a hip thing or like nicks and dings or whatever, it's like, Hey, you know, if I'm tasked to solve this, uh, or, you know, get it solved, then there's something here to learn. And hopefully I'll be able to help someone else and be able to downregulate them and say, Hey, I, I totally understand what you're going through. And this is what I did to help, you know, try it out. Totally. Yeah. Julia, this also, no is wonder, yeah, no wonder you and Eric are BFFs. You guys love analogies. <laughs> oh man. You know, uh, him and I have had such a fun time together every time we're together. And, uh, it's, it's really like a little like schoolboys. like, you know, you and Rachel are like, all right, go play guys. And, and literally we just get into so much hilarious laughter. Um, his combo face picture, uh, from that time at Mark's, like, I just think about it anytime I need to laugh. And it was like the funniest thing. And I like, I remember him coming out to me and being like, dude, do I need to go to the hospital? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, nah, dude, you're going to be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm only going to show you this picture once. Yeah. And then- again. So Julia, this has been absolutely amazing getting the riff with you and having the opportunity to have you on. I learned a lot from this. Uh, so selfishly, I'm really glad that you came on to talk about this, but also <laughs> I'm really glad for everyone listening because I know everyone is going to benefit a lot from this because the one thing that we all share in common is we all have a human body. Unless there's some aliens talking. If so, I want to talk to you. Uh, but yeah. otherwise, yeah, <laughs> I'll keep you informed if anyone hits me up. But uh, where can people go to connect with you, uh, work with you, and just, you know, see what you're doing, see what you're up to? Yeah, I'm most active on Instagram. So you can follow me at Movement by Julia. I also have currently a free 15-minute foam roller routine that you can download from my website, which is movementbyjulia.com. So if you're curious on how I've adapted the method of body work that I do to foam rolling to maximize the results you're getting from time you're spending rolling because we want to do less, right? So less is more. Uh, Feel free to go and download that and give it a go. I'd love to hear feedback and connect with any of you guys. So thank you. (laughs) I know I'm going to be doing that uh, because like I said before, Rachel will thank me a lot. Like, thank God. Now when you hop on a foam roll, it's not just zero minutes or 120 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Unnecessary. 
Yeah, I'm an honor off, honor off switch kind of guy, you know, so guilty as charged, as they say. A wise man once said, guilty as charged. Um, so I have one last question for you. And that question is, if someone listening could only make one change to highly optimize their life, what would Julia Blackwell suggest that change be? Ooh, that is a loaded question. I would certainly add some kind of fascia release to your life. Mm. It's changed my life very profoundly. And if you can find a way to get in there that works for you, I, I highly recommend it. It's, it's the most abundant tissue we have. It's, it's carrying so much of your sensory perception and your trauma and so many, so much tension. It's just great. Like get, get into it, man. Hell I yeah. love it. Hell yeah. And I agree. Uh, lacrosse ball has literally changed my life. Uh, not even to get into foam rollers and everything, you know, and, uh, whenever anyone talks movement, I am immediately intrigued. However, when someone talks about fascia, I am immediately drawn to them like a magnet, stemming from my own injuries and relief that I have found through fascial treatment modalities, as I discussed in the episode. Julia is truly world-class at what she does and is passionate about helping others unlock full range of their movement, mobility, and their lives as a whole. If you are currently dealing with any issues stemming from your physical body, then don't waste another second in reaching out to Julia, negation acknowledged, and getting the relief you deserve today. Julia, thank you so much for stopping by the show to riff with us today. And until next time, journey well, be well, much love over to you. Namaste. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders with a Z on the end.com so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build out, and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, dot com and book your complimentary call today. 
I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever.